Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm, and that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott and Tommy Corbins. I'm like Pete Southtown, Zan Zan. I'm always speaking my mind, but I'm better off by my tongue. I'm a bad show at the wrong time. Still, I'm a legend of my own mind. I'm good for the song, but I'm not for Folks, before we get to uh, the first coach of the week, um, as this is coaches week and we examine what it was like to coach Wally back in the day and why you wouldn't resign such a specimen. Um, but it's what everybody's been waiting for all week long. It is a phase three team two U9 concurrent Canucks update. Uh, we just left the rink, and I tell you what an emotional roller coaster it was in the Davidson Center today. Um, we played team one, and uh, those competitive little buggers, Evan McGilvray, that kid's an animal, and uh, McQuillan and Tout were buzzing around. But uh, you know what? I couldn't be prouder of my team. Every single guy came together today, and um, we were down, or it was a seesaw battle. I tell you, folks, it, it, there's no other way to put it. But we we were down a goal more than we were up a goal throughout the game. And it came down to the end again, just like it always does in phase three, folks. Um, but I tell you, Charlie Small, that guy is like Chris Pronger of phase three. That guy is just locking down. Our net. Nobody gets anywhere near our net. I bet you that guy could stop Sidney Crosby. Uh, Brady, the little bugger, was just buzzing around, and what a goal he scored top shelf with a couple minutes left to, I believe, tie the game at that point. And Ryder, holy moly, what a game that kid had. This kid put the goalie in a blender at one point. At one point, I think I saw the goalie cry to his mom in the crowd when Ryder made him look ridiculous and I'm pretty sure his jock was up in the ceiling um, but that was a heck of a goal Ryder in the first period and uh, Easton Owens that kid was just mayhem out there he he was knocking guys off the puck he was battling for every loose puck uh, just an absolute warrior for the team and uh, Jackson I tell you, one of the most coachable players I, I've had. When I, when now that we're not doing buzzers and, uh, and we're doing line changes, I tell you, I couldn't be prouder of my team, the way they've listened and the way they've changed. Like, I just yelled her name and they look at the bench like a, a deer and headlights and they just, they come scooting over right away. It's actually, it's very incredible how well they've listened. And Jackson, man, you had a hell of a game. You were up and down the ice battling for every puck. And then Alex, man, what a workhorse. That kid, when he takes it to the net, nobody can stop him. That kid is like, uh, who does he play like? Who's a big power forward? He's like the Tom Wilson of phase three. That's who Alex is. And uh, Colby, you had a good game again. Way to go, kid. Uh, you, you scored a handful or so. Um, well done. 
But Nolan Knight in net this week, you know, because we have a different goalie every week. Nolan Knight, man, you ate some rubber today. Holy cow. And I tell you, the one of the big game changers was the penalty shot with about three minutes left. And you ate it, that puck, just like it was breakfast. I tell you, the, that's what really, really set us apart there at the end of the game was that big penalty shot save. But the star of the day, and I tell you, the biggest goal so far in phase three belongs to Andrew Humphrey. The last minute of the game, Colby ties it up with about a little over a minute left, and Andrew Humphrey, just from pure determination and pure will, just shoveled it through the goalie's five hole to take a commanding 12 to 11 lead with about 50 seconds left, and holy moly, was it chaos in the last minute. But the boys all battled for each other. They all listened when it was time to change, and and we pulled it out, folks. And Andrew Humphrey, I don't know if you're going to score a bigger goal in your life, but I tell you, that was the biggest one I've seen. Um, it was just like Nolan Knight's goals in the other game, but I tell you, it was a complete team performance, and I can't wait, boys. Just remember what we talked about in the room. Don't let your dads keep you up drinking beers tonight. We got curfew 8 p.m. because it's quick turnaround. 9 a.m. tomorrow morning. We got to uh, defend the belt, eh, boys? Get some sleep tonight. Good night. And here's Dan Seaman, today's guest. Welcome to another episode of Two Ales and Hockey Tales with Wally. And today I'm so excited to have on a 47-year-old from Windsor, Ontario. He's won an AHL, it says on Elite Prospects, but we're not sure because he didn't really play any playoff games, but he won in the East Coast. He's a two-time gold helmetalist in Denmark as a player and also won two gold helmets and the Slovakian championship, whatever that's called, as a coach. His career has taken him to Canada, the USA, England, France, Denmark, Scotland, Slovakia, and Austria. And I played for him his first year as a head coach, Dan Seaman. How are you today? I'm great. I'm really happy to be here with you, buddy. It has been a very, very long time. Um, I guess we haven't seen each other since probably the exit meeting in Sunderjuski. Um, but we did talk a few times after that. But uh, basically, I'll get into how we know each other, I guess. Okay. All righty. So Dan Seaman became a head coach for Sunderjuski in uh, the Danish league. And I had just. Uh, fizzled out in Germany, you could say. Um, I was a free agent. Um, I hadn't left Germany in six years. Um, but I guess you were the one that signed me. And I guess I was one of your first signings as a head coach, right? Yeah. Yeah. That summer we signed you. We signed uh, Corey Quirk. I think we signed Spelling. We signed uh, a fair amount of good hockey players. Aslan. Aslan came in halfway through the season, but yes, it did lead to a championship. But just to get some humor started here, because uh, <laughs> um, 
well, I guess I know him as the Spooge Dog. I don't know what you call him, um, but Jay Schufelt. Okay, so oh. I live in I live in Concord, Ontario now, and I was on a neighborhood Christmas crawl, and he got texting with you, and you gave him right. you yes. gave him the scouting report of uh, of Brent Walton out of Germany. Could you please give the scouting report of what you signed? I gave the scouting report. I don't. I don't remember. I remember the text conversation with Shuey. Call him Shuey, mm. or Shoe Dog. Um, okay, he's Spooge Dog to me. Really? Okay, that's. Uh, I don't know. That's what Holt calls him. Um, okay. Well, my they na- my neighbor. Yeah, they know. They've known each other for longer than I've known Shuey since uh, since university. I played with him for the Bell River Canadians in my junior C one year career um yeah shui shui wrote me that that text i'm trying to remember i'll just i I don't remember that exactly how i was probably more talking about your uh a little bit about your physique maybe on that that uh scouting report but um i think if i was to remember what we were expecting to get that summer when we did a little research and saw that you were uh, quality hockey player in Heilbronn, uh, offensive, really slippery. Um, also, well, definitely we could count on goals from you in offense. And um, actually, I, we did get uh, one in particular. I can't remember what coach told us, but they said, great player, body like a bag of milk. <laughs> yeah i i remember i think the text tip to, to the old spooge diggity dog was uh <laughs> was uh, gr- uh great player great hands great teammate body like a belt bag really so i did i yeah that was sorry i haven't exactly. i i haven't forgot it maybe you you've forgotten that conversation but maybe it just hurt a little bit okay you know five years later when I'm in the real world and you know what I'm not looking that good now either well I think you you're consistent I think you've kept what's worked for you (laughs) um I that's that's it that really sticks that I've never heard uh, a scouting report from a coach like that and the guy was I can't remember who it was it wasn't you were with Rico Rossi the year before it wasn't I don't know who told me that, but they said great. They said almost exactly what I wrote Shuey there. Great, great guy, great player. Uh, Might have added like likes likes his beers. Boys love the guys love him and body like a bag of milk. Something like that. And we said and I said, sign him immediately. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you got to have a big side of your first one, right? So. And I think the other text you said was, oh, Wall- Wally, I remember him. I figured he would, he would be the first to put on 30 out of hockey. We did figure that once you were done, you'd, you'd gain weight quite quickly. Yeah, yeah that did happen. Uh, you weren't wrong. <laughs> um, I've learned to control it now. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been a grind, though. It's not, it's not easy. Okay, so that's how we know each other. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and we won gold helmets together, but I guess we'll get into uh, 
winning together in Denmark later on. Okay. Uh, so that's how we know each other. You also uh, guided me and coached me on which teams to go to in the UK. And you did tell me you'd give me a good reference. But actually, before we move on, because this is the one time that this conversation in the world can really happen for a player and a coach. I don't know how long has it been now, like eight years, nine years. So I was your, one of your first big signings with Corey Quirk, who's a hell of a player and he's still playing. Um, he was an incredible player. Um, and we won the championship. I'm second in the league in scoring. And I don't even gamble against my own team, like the other top scorers in that league. Right. <laughs> um, but after that season, you guys decide you don't want me back which in my eyes makes me look like a bad seed because I'm second in the league and scoring on a championship team and you're not asked back. So is it my physique, Mr. Seaman? I, so you were telling me about this podcast, how you, you, you do it so you can catch up with old friends and guys you really like but you really do it to ask questions like that that's awesome you're hunting down everybody who ever wronged you <laughs> and asking them really I, tough I don't questions. think i don't think you wronged me at all because it was the best thing that ever happened in my life because i blew out my knee about a year later and i also had an mba because i didn't go back to sander yuski um <laughs> And uh, like, that was the best thing that ever happened to me because I didn't realize how close I was to the end until you guys didn't have me back. And that's when it finally set in. I'm like, I better start making some changes and figure out what's next. If I just had a season like that and now I'm back to being a free agent for like the third or fourth year in a row. And I was like, um, so then I ended up in Cardiff and that was awesome. I get my MBA and everything's worked out since. So thank you for not having me back. I'm really, I don't really, feel bad. I'm really happy that it, uh, it did work out well for you. And I will answer the question. I wasn't trying to dodge the question. The honest answer is that it, for whatever reason, did they, I can't remember the exact details, but it, we had to choose between you and Patrick Aslan. That was, that was it with, but I can't remember why that is, but that's, I think we are bringing back Walters or for sure. Uh, no, Quirk, you didn't bring back. Corey Quirk. was back. No, okay, we didn't. so Cor uh, Corey was back for sure. him and Gatto back. Gatto was back. Whoever was back, we had, we had to either, it was either you. Oh yeah, and they always wanted to start with one less import because we're so good that we have to, you know, make it harder for ourselves. So it was between you and Aslan and Aslan in our mind was a little bit better two-way player. Mm, okay. You you were equally good offensively and he was slightly better defensively. That's why we made that decision. Okay, well. No, nothing to do with your physique. Really? I, that's good because all my buddies have always told me it's my physique. So that, that, that makes me feel better. That they said we didn't resign you because you're chubby. They said that. Well, they, they imply that. Yes. 
<laughs> okay, so we better get into this now. So thank you for answering the question. No problem. Uh, I remember walking out of that exit meeting and I got Colby's a little kid. Um, and yeah, we ended up having a bun in the oven soon. And then I didn't have a job. And then it was like, holy moly, what are we doing? And then, yeah, it turned into getting education and planning for the end. So thank you for not resigning me. So <laughs> yeah. um, moving on, um, where are you now and what are you up to now? In, I'm, I just finished the season as head coach of Linz uh, Black Wings in Linz, Austria. Uh, I took over the team in, on December 25th. Uh, I was hired just before that. My first practice was the 25th of December with the guys, and we uh, won our first one, lost quite a few after that. They were in last place when I took over, and then we had a great run to end the season, won 10 of our last 13, and didn't make the playoffs by one point. So uh, a nice – I mean, the guys did everything they could, left everything out there. So, I mean, we were disappointed that we didn't make the playoffs, but we were uh, happy with how everything – it was positive. We don't get to win – we won our last game, so we did everything we could do. And uh, didn't make the playoffs. So, but we were, it was a positive end of the season. Um, just because usually those leagues don't change very often. Um, Lintz was always kind of a powerhouse when I was over there, weren't they? Like, why would they be in last place? Has their budget gone down? Have they got different sponsors? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, I'll try to make it as brief. It's not that interesting a story. Just the, the, uh, over the summer, the, the, the general manager here, and I don't even know all the sordid details, but the general manager got uh, fired, I guess. And uh, he proceeded to take a lot of the, he was the sponsor guy. He was really good with sponsors. And he took some of the sponsor, or mo most of the sponsors with him and tried to start a new team, which this, so this, our team almost went bankrupt. I interviewed at the time in ju early July, I think, or late June here with the general manager who's here now and it went great I had a good feeling and they weren't they didn't have their financing in place and it was touch and go so I ended up going to VLOC in this league which didn't work out for me but um, so anyway then I was was looking for a job they had to put a team together really quick with not much money at that time in the summer so that's why they were in last place and that's why I had the opportunity to come back and, and it's worked out nice. I'm on contract for next year. It's a great city. And, and I think we're going in the right direction. Wow. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I've heard Lentz is a great city. So, uh, yes. so you'll be back there next year then. Yes, I will. Perfect. Um, so were there fans in the games? Just curious. First, um, I'm not exactly sure when, I think in mid-October, so we probably played a month with, with a thousand fans maximum. And then there was a Corona outbreak in the league. It, like uh, three quarters of the teams had major problems. We, in VLAC, we had 14 players and staff get it. Other teams had 20, 23. So the whole league shut down for two, three weeks. And then there weren't any fans for the rest of the season. So you got to have good sponsors during a season like that. 
to get paid? Well, I mean, the government is subsidizing the league itself. Okay. Every team, I mean, I, I don't know. There's teams in other countries, right? Our league has a team in, a, in Italy and in Hungary. And so they must be getting uh, subsidized too. So we've had help from the government to keep professional sport going. Uh, so that's been a huge help. But obviously the uh, sponsors have stepped up too. Well, that must be hard when like every country, you have that many different countries in one league with all the different regulations you can have per country and all that. But let's get off that. Okay, here we go. You got too much to talk about. So you grew up in Windsor, Ontario. And what was Biner hockey like in uh, Windsor? Were you playing AAA? And then did you go the NCAA or OHL route, which I already know the answer to? We Yeah. Triple A hockey through Windsor Minor Hockey, and I also played high school hockey as well. That was a controversial subject at the time. They didn't allow you to play both, and then uh, there was a backlash, and then we got, we got to play both. Um, so sometimes we played two games in one day, and, and, and that was that was fun days. And then uh, I uh, played Tier Two Junior B hockey for the Windsor Bulldogs. Then went to, so then was kind of looking open for a college scholarship. And I talked to, and I, what happened next? Oh yeah, and then I uh, was hope, hoping to get something. I talked to Brown and a couple at Ohio State. And then my dad worked at Hiram Walkers at the time. You, you must know who, uh, what uh, Hiram what? Walkers is. Hiram Walkers Distillery. You must know what, uh, brand that that is that's the the former maker producer of canadian club whiskey oh sorry no i'm not a whiskey drinker i okay i can't do that i'm not nearly mad enough for that oh really i thought if you lived in king carden you had to drink whiskey that was no i'm not nearly mad enough for that i have just two ales and hockey tails (laughs) (laughs) um you're a natural. You've been doing how many years have you been doing this show? This is uh, I think this is like uh, the sixth week now. But uh, good for you. Yeah, you're no, a natural. I, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm fresh because it's uh, been a week here. Um, I took a break there for a week. You know. Oh so, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So my dad worked at Hiram Walkers. They had a um, scholarship program. It was a huge company at the time. And uh, so I got a scholarship to go to any Canadian university. So I just stayed home, went to University of Windsor. You got it through his company? Yeah. To Harm work Walker's for them? Distillery, because he worked there. He worked at Harm Walker's. It was a big company. They had like, at the time it was five, like four grand or five grand or something a, a year, which paid for everything. I lived at home. I, I made a little bit of money back, back in those days. <laughs> Tuition was like, 1200 a, a semester or something back in the old in the old days there 1992 i started university yeah uh so i took that and and ended up having fun in my hometown and lived at home most of that time uh and then uh and then just happened to how i got into playing pro i was like okay where do i go from here in my last my last season i had a huge season but I was still thinking maybe Europe, who knows? I knew nothing. I had no agent. And then uh, um, yeah, Mr. Ferguson uh, 
happened to be at a game. The the former GM of uh, player for the Montreal Canadiens, GM uh, was he a GM at one John point? Ferguson? Yeah, John. So that was John John Junior, who was GM of the the Leafs. So his yeah. dad was a hockey man for he passed away 15, 10 years ago or so. Um, but uh, so he was just watching our game. It was the last game of the season. He lived in the area and uh, he watched us play. And then a couple of days, I didn't know he was there or anything. A couple of days later on my answering machine back, not, not a voicemail on the phone, but our, my answering machine. You're really dating yourself. eh? Yeah, I know. I like it. It's fun. Um, <laughs> Uh, there was a there was a message from this hi Dan this is John Ferguson from the San Jose Sharks we'd like you to come down to play in Kentucky for American Hockey League franchise and I'm like no way that is not somebody's somebody's messing with me here this is That's on not... your home phone after your Windsor University big year just randomly yeah, yeah just about random a week, on the about... voicemail about five not voicemail answering machine sorry that's good <laughs> He didn't know. Wait, was it a cassette tape that you had to rewind to, to, and that hit play or no? I think the cassette tape was embedded by them, but I'm, I can't, I don't, I'm not sure of that. But it was, yeah, you spoke into the microphone if you wanted to leave like my outgoing message. I had to, and it was some stupid message I had too. Like there was Van Halen playing in the background and it was a really bad message. But uh, so, I was sure that it was a prank by one of my buddies, but I called the number back and it was John Ferguson for, for real. And uh, so the week later, and I got it okayed, but I was going to teacher's college at University of Windsor, got it okayed and went to, uh, went to Kentucky and was playing the American Hockey League like a week later. It was crazy. Okay. So you were basically had, I, I don't think back then, once you decided to play Canadian University, pro hockey is really an option, right? And you probably had decided hockey's over at that point, right? Well, I was thinking Europe. I was thinking hopefully, but I didn't know what that meant. Like most guys, even now, who are like, yeah, I'll just go to Europe. They don't really know what that means exactly. But And I didn't either. But because, yeah, there's some guys are making money over there. There's hockey over there. Somebody must want me. So, but I didn't have, I had no idea how to do it. So that just came about. I was thinking maybe go to the East Coast League or Europe. And then that came about and I played 11 games for Kentucky Thoroughblades. Had a great, great experience. And then played two years after that with uh, Hampton Roads Admirals, the legendary John Brophy. Um, if you knew that. I did not. Um, I don't. Do you know who John Brophy is? Well, I know he that. Passed, he just passed away, actually. I I know the name, but I don't really know what the story is, like what he's about, you know. Wow, just a legendary, like, I don't want to, lunatic is a strong word, a, a wild man, former player in the federal leagues, great, like Slapshot was partially based on his Sim era anyway. Similar and, to your coaching style. Right, yeah, yeah. just yelling and... <laughs> threatening people and right okay. a lot i mean he brought out the best in everybody because everybody was scared to get killed right <laughs> uh, or berated at least swearing and yelling nonstop. but he, but uh 
like in retrospect, I appreciated what he was trying to do. I didn't like his style at the time, but uh, he brought out the best in a lot of a lot of guys. And I, I mean, he was a unique guy, and I have a lot of great great stories about him. Great stories, throwing so pennies on the ice, and just if it was old days, like if this wasn't happening anymore. But if anybody got in a fight on the ice, all of us would have to drop our gloves be like one guy drops him everybody drops him yeah it was so that's the kind of style of hockey we were playing so if one guy dropped his gloves the whole line dropped their gloves a, you yeah. grab a guy like that just grab yeah you drop him and grab a guy and you didn't necessarily have to start throwing and if but if you and you usually me I'm not, i wasn't a fighter as a player so i hope that the guy next to me wasn't a fighter because if I dropped him and grabbed him, he was, I was going to get beat up, probably, more, you know, more than likely. <laughs> uh, so, because I think that I can determine how everybody plays hockey based on their personality and, <laughs> yeah. and, and how they talk to me, um, yeah. at the end of this episode, remind me to give you a player review, because I've never seen you play other than your feeble attempts at penalty shots in Denmark. <laughs> feeble? Feeble. Well, you guys, you you were excellent at penalty shots, but I wouldn't say mine were feeble. Compared to you guys, they weren't great. Okay, well, either, some, either way. I had I'll, some moves. You, sauce you, passes. I had a good sauce pass. Too. Okay, well, you know what to we're going to do? The breakouts. <laughs> what we're going to do is because you – have been given the scouting reports on me and obviously have had phone calls about me and you've had to give your report on me. So now it's going to be my report on you as a 47 year old, but I'm going to review the player you were based on your podcasting skills today. Okay. Let, let me just state that I did not tell who was the coach in Cardiff when you got uh, Lordo signed there. Lordo was there. Lord. Okay. Yeah. I never told Lordo that uh, you had a body like a bag of milk. I never said that to him. Well, there was, no re there was no reason to. Do you remember how I showed up in Denmark? Because I was pretty, I think the kids call it yoked now. Um, I got a personal trainer that summer, um, AJ Nagy, and I showed up all jacked up. And I remember there was like family photos and guys in Germany were like, whoa, Waldo has biceps. And um but then, you know, through the season, I lose that. I lose focus. And, um, and um, that's what happened every season is I just would try so hard in games. I felt like I really deserved to eat yeah. and have a beer or two after. Right. Which is nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. You should have a beer. Guys should have a beer after a game. Okay. I thought so, you were going to say you tried so hard in games that you just were too fatigued to work out for the next couple days but well that's oh. that no i would be so tired that i couldn't <laughs> actually get to the gym oh, so few okay. is fine so Did you were yoked 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 so like the, the a i think that's i don't know i think the guy that like is a trainer that was on here episode two jeff lavecchio i think he called it yoked and i think that yeah. like like i think that's like, like an egg yolk. yeah i think that yeah. means like yeah i think so i i think i you, you haven't really? heard that then I've never heard of yoked and I don't even see how that it even makes sense as to mean like in good shape, being uh, like an, 
beaten like an I thought there was an expression <laughs> beaten like an egg or something. No, no, I think uh, I think it's like the gooey clear stuff around the yolk is like I look like that. Like I should be a no. I don't know. Huh. Okay, we better go back to the show here. So um, <laughs> I was going to ask you what the biters were like back then, but if you're all dropping the gloves together, I guess we figured that out. But uh, what I do want to know about is championships, because that's what I care about. That's what I'm proud of at the end of the day. Um, it said on Elite Prospects, you won the AHL, but I think I only saw like two playoff games. But then I did see you won in the coast. So is that when you learned how to win or did you win in Windsor first? Uh, no, uh, in junior C. So really, so when I started university, I decided to, I had four years, I ended up going to school for five because of teacher's college, but I was like, I got four years to play university hockey. I'm going to play for the Bell River Canadians with all my buddies at junior C hockey. And we lost one game all year in the regular season. And I think one or two in the playoffs and just killed everybody. We had a bunch of good players. Is the Spooge dog on that team? Shuey was on that team. Yes. And, you know, at the time, the for, I was just talking about this the other day, talking about concussions and that. Shuey, well, being shoeyed was a term that we used back then. If you were like little, whoa, your legs were a little wonky, you could, you know, unsteady on your feet after a hit. That Maybe that's why. Shoe. It, Maybe that was being shoeyed. Maybe that's what it called the spoon dog. He lost his legs. Uh, well, I think I, there's other reasons they probably call him that. Uh, that that nickname but being shoeyed was being all unsteady on your feet so he played with us he got shoeyed like once a month he was out on his feet so he'd just be getting concussed left and right yeah i think i guess is that that's a concussion for sure yeah yep and he's a high he's a fully functioning human being now he's how he has he's a sport uh director i think of St. Clair College in Windsor. So you are still in contact with him then? Okay, a little well, bit, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, we better get back to your uh, thing here because we're still in <laughs> player mode and we got to get to coach still, right? Like, realistically, yeah. you could have had two pods, one as a player, one as a coach. So yeah. Oh, to, sorry, to answer your question, that was... What was the question? Whole, the question was about the championships in the first years of my pro career. So you so learned we how to win in junior C. The reason why I mentioned Junior C was we won the championship. But then in university, nothing. And then my first year pro, Rolf and Al McIsaac, who's the assistant general manager of the Blackhawks now, uh, I believe is his title or assistant to vice president or something. He um, he was the assistant coach and GM, and he he was a great recruiter. And we had five Russians on a team coached by John Brophy, one of the, you know, toughest men in federal history and just a uh, really intense coach. We had five Russians who we left alone and we had struggled a bit, but then we got better at the end of the season. We won a championship and uh, it was awesome. And that was my first year pro. And I thought big deal. And then my second year pro, you said, you're exactly right. I had, Two, we didn't win. We, we lost in the semis in Hampton Roads, and I got called up to Providence. Went to Providence. I think you're doing something with your hand. I'm hearing it with my headset. Okay, 
Just careful. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Uh, sorry about that. Um, so anyway, Providence, and you're right. I did only play two games in the playoffs, but I so I was part of a, an outstanding team. They're amazing, uh, but I I wasn't a big part of that team for sure. And uh, but I was a small, small, small part of a Calder Cup champion. So that was cool. The only thing unfortunate was they sent me home after uh, about a month because we had so I was there for injury cover a couple guys came back good players and they're like may as well go what you know we don't really need you here so go go home and uh, Peter Laviolette was a coach great great coach and uh, so we they won but my name is on the Calder Cup because somebody saw it, one of the some Windsor guy, Dan Jancewski, told me when he won it, he saw uh, ninety eight, I think it was, Providence Bruins, Dan Seaman, but my name is spelled wrong, C E M E N, so my name is on the color cup, but spelled wrong. <laughs> oh, that's a good story. Oh <laughs> uh, well. Either way, winning is winning, no matter how, yeah. how, how big a part of the team you are. I don't know. If, if you were there, I guess it's different. But, like, no matter what part you play in a winning team, it really doesn't matter. But you'd want to be there when they win it. Yeah. So, not being there is not quite the same, that's for sure. They, they won it, and I, was, I played the first two games. Okay, so the next thing I got then is uh, – you decide to go to England, which uh, you go there then for four years because we got to, we, this will be a long episode if we don't uh, bunch these years together. Sure. Yeah. Let's squeeze some in there. So, four years in England, you, I think I saw Bracknell and Sheffield, right? Yeah. My first year I played in Sheffield, Donnie McKee, who was a coach of Waterloo, Waterloo University when I was in University of Windsor, he brought, quite a few CI, whatever it was called then, CIS, I think it was called. Uh, and he was he went that route recruiting. So uh, I uh, went to Sheffield, had a fun first year, Lo- loved the European lifestyle and European uh, um, hockey game. And I mean, UK was pretty North American style, almost all North Americans and fighting and tough guys and but on the big sheets and two games a week was pretty nice. And uh, so then I went to Bracknell. Uh, I knew Ennio Sacolato. He was, he was a coach. I worked with him and or worked for him at his hockey schools. He brought me to Bracknell. What was the name? Ennio Sacolato, who is a uh, uh, mental coach now. He, he's been around. He was assistant coach in the dub. I can't remember which team. Um, after, in the recent years, but he's a mental coach now. Um, but, uh, Ennio brought me to Bracknell and spent three really, really fun years there and ended up meeting my wife in Bracknell. And she was a, like almost Olympic or was Olympic like hurdler, right? That's right. She was a a, a national, uh, champion hurdler, hundred meter hurdler for, for team GB for Great Britain. And so a much, much more accomplished athlete than I ever was. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. Well, I married an athlete too. You know, Lisa was a soccer player. 
She was mm-hmm. a full ride soccer player. So there's that background story for every, all the listeners out there. Eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So you meet your wife in Bracknell. Uh, you don't win any trophies during those four years. Um, I think we won the challenge cup or, or one of the cups, you know, the, all those trophies, one of the cup, I think challenge cup in, in uh, Sheffield that first year, but no, uh, no championships. No. Okay. So then uh, this is where we'll get into Denmark and all the Danish people have been just been waiting for this patiently <laughs> through the episode. Um, you now go to Sundayuski because I don't know how to say it normally. Um, you have to say it in a higher voice as well. I think. I believe so because yeah. uh, I don't know how to spell it, say it, but it's Sundayuski. <laughs> Um, but it's in beautiful, beautiful Voyance, Denmark, uh, where there is just so many things to do and lavish places to go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, what were those four years like and how, uh, what did you do for four years in that little town? Well, yeah, I mean, you and your re- your research team missed a couple of years there, but uh, that I went to Frederickstown first, actually that my wife, I, I asked my girlfriend at the time, now my wife to go move to Frederickstown, uh, Denmark with me. And we went and that was our first time living together in Frederickstown, uh, hey, in the Danish, in the Danish league. With how many years you got here, you think we can go through every year? I know. So, okay. Okay, I know. Go time. ahead, because that's a big one for you guys. So, you're first living together, and that, okay, yeah. now you realize Dan's in love. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to say that you, you and your research team, I just, I thought. <laughs> it's um, a pretty lackluster team, I tell you. Well, we, so we went to Frederickstown, had a great, uh, really fun year, great group of people, really met a lot of nice people up there. And then uh, went back to the UK, played in Sheffield, got fired in the middle of the season as a player in Sheffield, went to Nottingham, had a blast in Nottingham, too much fun, I'm sure. Like, I, I don't think I played very well, but I had, we, had, we lived right downtown, had fun, had a real fun time, and then went to Sunny School from there. Uh, people uh, getting fired in Sheffield ain't, ain't an unusual thing. Hey, David Sims. Okay, go yeah. Ahead. Well, I don't want to say anything bad about Simsy, but uh, uh, that was, um, yeah. I mean, there there were a lot of different owners through that period of time in uh, in Sheffield, and that owner was interesting. He fired me, and then a week later, he asked me to come back for a guaranteed contract and that. But uh, I'd already signed in Nottingham, but I had a, a it was a we had a it was an hour down the road we moved and had a blast in in Nottingham. But then yeah, so then we went to Boyens, and uh, yeah, okay. So it's farm country. There's not a ton to do. We um, we still had a lot of good times. A lot of good times. Um, I mean, you could, it's only it was, as you know, it was only half an hour from the German border, so we'd go down to Flensburg for some fun. Hatterslev was, was called Flensburg. I couldn't remember. Yeah. You don't remember Flensburg, Germany. You spoke a little bit of German at that time, didn't you? I know. I, Ekkensburg and I just enjoyed it. I, know, I, <laughs> I, I can still do it, but I couldn't remember the town because that yeah, part Flensburg. of it wasn't much. But yeah, the town next door to Boyens was a good town. Hatterslav, yeah, which is the uh, not the correct pronunciation. Ha, Hatterslav or something. But uh, I'm, I, I'm, I was never good at uh, the pro- exactly good pronunciation of danish words but uh 
Patterslav was, was fine. It was, it was, it was nice enough. And we had what we needed. And then I, at the time when I played, the rink was, was small. And my first year in Frederickstown was chain link fence. They had just put glass in, 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 uh, in Boyens when I got there, but an awful little tiny rink and, but great to play in for the home team. Teams just did not want to come in there cold showers and tiny rink. And we always had a bunch of North Americans running around trying to hit, uh, hit people. And was, so we had, yeah, we had a great, uh, great few years there. Yeah. We used to practice in that rink the odd time yeah, I was there right. and it uh, was a terrible rink. Like, I don't yeah. know how, how you can enjoy playing there, but the weirdest part to me of that town was, uh, like you had a little mini NHL arena yeah, and then you had three roundabouts, which it's smaller than the town I live in now, Concord. And then you have a little mini NHL arena and it was packed every night and nobody lived in town. So where were they coming from? Yeah, that's true. I lived right on the, when I was, at the, I was still living because I moved back there. That place I lived at right in the corner. That was like the busiest roundabout I have ever seen. It was like a Piccadilly Circus roundabout. I don't know. There was only, what, how many people in that city or town? 4,000 or something like that. And But there was only one street. That's yeah. why the roundabouts were busy. That's just the one main street through the whole town. Yeah, strange town. Um, I... In Enjoyed it. I learned how to cook there because I uh, had a little <laughs> kid and, um, you know, yeah, we got into cooking that year, but it was a very beautiful rink. Um, yeah. So anyways, you're four years there. You start winning. And is Daryl on the team, Alfie or Kim? Because those are the three guys I have written down from when I won with them. I was yeah. wondering if you were playing with them then. Yes uh kim the whole time kim was uh my first year kim was on my line him and tifi soren nielsen uh we were like the third the third line and we did all right um and then daryl i'm not sure i'm gonna have to look this up when daryl what if it was this so you don't even remember oh. if he was on the team that's got to hurt his heart no, it's not that I don't remember. I, yeah, he was there before me. He got there before me, but he left for a year. That's what's confusing me. He left for a year and played in Krefeld. Um, okay. So I uh, just can't remember which years those were. But Daryl was there for for three of the four years that I that I played. And then it was funny. I was still. I was then I coached him and Alfie. Alfie was there for the last year that I was uh, playing. So I won with him as a as a teammate and as uh, his coach as well. Okay. So basically the backstory of that is Elfie Michaud. I think he played a game in the NHL, but he won at least four. Uh, he won a bunch of championships with Sundar Yuski. So, <laughs> so did Daryl and so did Kim. So I'd be surprised if they don't to retire some of those jerseys. Cause they weren't just there for, you know, they weren't just a one, a one trick pony like me just one time and out, you know, not asked back, but, um, <laughs> yeah. so, so you guys won it in the old rink. So this is the, the, with the thing about winning in Denmark, because in Germany, I used to have to wear a gold helmet for being the top scorer. 
So right. I would literally be booting around with a gold helmet on my head. And it's like, well, why would you leave the guy with a gold helmet open in front of the net when right. everybody else is wearing a white helmet? Like, it's pretty obvious who you should cover. But then we go to Denmark and you get a gold medal or a gold helmet for a completely different reason, which my kid still uses as a bike helmet. Oh, yeah? Cool. Yeah, he uses it all the time. We've actually played mini hockey games for it, too. I have four of those things sitting in my parents' house in, in Windsor. So give the listeners, what, what do you get a gold helmet for? Well, you, you win the championship. You win, uh, you win the playoffs, and uh, you get a, every guy on the team gets a gold helmet right after the game. You get a medal, and you get a gold helmet. You stick it on, and the champagne's flying, and uh, the cigars, and uh, you... You uh, you collect your gold helmet. It's pretty. It's pretty cool. Uh, I like. I at first. I, I think when I was watching it the first time on TV or something, I'm like, yeah. And then when you win one, you're like, this is cool. And then you line up. You if you win lucky enough to win a bunch, then you line them all up, and it's pretty awesome. I have pictures of them with in all different states of sobriety or lack of after championships, and. Uh, and I have one with my with my daughter as a baby inside the helmet. So some pretty cool uh, moments with the gold helmets. Yeah, the gold helmets was a completely different thing for me because in Germany, I really didn't want to wear it. Like I really right. hate, I hated it. I hated yeah. everything about it. I didn't want to be wearing it. I didn't want anything to do with it. But then in Denmark, when we won those things, man, that not to skip ahead because we're still in your playing years, but um, <laughs> like when you win the gold helmet and that night we hit the town, like I hadn't hit the town much really at all that year. I never really left my place because I had cold. He's like a one-year-old, not even, but you win a gold helmet, you're hitting the town. And it was so cool that I could locate my whole team in the bar, even though there's people everywhere. You win the championship. You can locate everybody on the team because all you got to do is find the gold helmets in the bar. Yeah. It's just so fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think a few guys probably fell down at certain points, and, but then you're protected as well. And then also I've, I've heard, I never was a part of this, but a pastime for a few guys was to break bottles over their head. So then you're, you're protected as well. I don't know if that was you guys or when I was playing, I don't remember. I don't think the team I was on was breaking bottles over each other's heads. I, I, no, I, no, I think, no, there were more protein shakes than, than, <laughs> than, than that, that year. Like they were all pros. They're all great players and they're all pros, man. We all had some fun, but uh, yeah, I, um, I don't think we were smashing bottles over each other's heads, which I don't think I would ever do. So I guess, no, I wouldn't be a part of that anyways. Okay, there must have been one. I it was we were a bit more old school back. Uh, when right, I you guys were you probably a little bit tougher back in the day in the the old barn there. We were a bit of Rudy Poos in that new barn and the, <laughs> the big old building there, eh? With I the know. weight room and the the sauna and all the. Yeah, I know you spoil. Yeah, Sunny, we did all the work and got you guys a new uh, 
a new uh, building and all that, and pampered guys. But uh, no, but uh, you guys did great. We had, had a, just an awesome run there. Okay, so we're not there yet, though, because what we got to get into after your four years there, and I guess you won a little bit, but we'll have to keep going because then you go back to Scotland, and uh, I believe yes. you're in Dundee. Yep. Uh, this is, uh, you know what, sometimes the truth has to be talked about. But I saw, okay, because I have it written down here on my notes, is 2010-11, which I'm still a professional hockey player at this point, and I would love to run into you so I could punch <laughs> in the face for not reciting me. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, but in 2010-11, for the Dundee Stars, you played 54 games and had 30 goals and 40 assists for 70 points. And yeah. I haven't given my player review yet, but that seems out of the norm. Well, yeah, it, because this, the year before I was a captain of Sunny and we won. Um, and, but I had like seven goals and I don't know, 20 assists or something, not, not a fantastic year statistically. And then uh, Sonny could after that, Two years being captain they tell me as they as i we had to tell you that i wouldn't be back so i had to start figure i was 36 married just got married i got married in denmark to mel at the end of that 2009-10 season you guys in, got uh, married in denmark why did you yeah, get we married got, in denmark uh, well she's from england so it was kind of well, we didn't, it's ridiculously expensive to get married in England. That's one reason. And uh, it was a beautiful, I don't know if you ever went to Turning Mull, which is a mill area, about 15 minutes outside of Voyens. Beautiful area. We got married there, had some friends, Yana Matson's uh, wife, Yana, helped us get it all set up. And uh, it was gorgeous. And then we went out to a beautiful inn that was a sponsor of the team and we had a big reception with the, the whole team was there and people flew in from England and that. So that's why it was, it was a magical day and a great uh, setting. And then that also enabled us to have a party in England. So a week later we had a party in England and then a couple months later in, in Canada, we had a big reception in, in Windsor at a, outside Windsor at a winery, Sanson winery. So three parties, big good parties for one wedding so that's that was a, another reason to have it abroad yeah, makes so sense. then yeah okay so that was another long aside but so we got married and then decided we gotta what are we doing now and i said i should go into coaching at the time the uk has still had some player coaches i thought that might be fun and i would i mean i'd like to take a crack at coaching see if see if I enjoy it if I'm any good at it or if, or if I'm not any good at it at least um, I maybe have some potential at it and uh, so uh, Todd Kalman who's with Carter uh, in, in Cardiff now he kind of helped me uh, in with the Ward family get an interview there in uh, in Dundee and really hit it off with uh, one of their owners Mike Ward and uh, they hired me and went to Dundee and they were an expansion team and it was uh, a huge learning experience. They were really, really just starting from the ground up. 
they just said, here's your budget, which was very, very little at the time and uh, make a team. And here we go. Let's try to figure out how to run a professional hockey team, which they, they, everybody worked so hard. There were so few of us running the team. It was, it was amazing that we got it off the ground, but, uh, but we did. And you talked about how I had a pretty good year statistically. We decided to put together the toughest team you could you could have in pro hockey. Probably teams in Quebec that Quebec Senior League at the time probably were tougher, but I don't I don't know by how much because we had a big signing with Sean the Sheriff McMorrow. I don't know if you've heard of Sean, but he's yeah, I know who he is. Yeah, he's toughest, the same age as He's the toughest human being on skates that I've ever seen in my life. Like crazy tough. Good, good, good guy too. Good, good person. He uh, made some mistakes uh, around that time in his, in his life, but uh, a good person and, uh, and did everything we asked. Like he promoted the team so hard as the sheriff. He was in care. Like he had, that was his persona and he was the sheriff on game day. You had to call him the sheriff and, uh, yeah, he wasn't Sean, and uh, he was ready. And he, not many people wanted guys wanted to fight him. The league was pretty, was somewhat tough still at that time. But nope, he was too tough. But he fought a couple, he had a couple great tilts, and uh, so that he played on, he played on our team for the first couple months, and I didn't get touched. Once I got touched, and he went in front of their bench and said, if anybody touches Dan again they're gonna get killed so I didn't get touched that's why I had 70 points yeah it does matter like when those guys are there it does matter I've had those guys <laughs> in my life um, yeah. in Cardiff I had them um, yeah no I've had those guys in my life you need that in your life <laughs> unfortunately we lost 16 in a row to start my playing uh, coaching career I was player coach was as he said, and that okay, was okay. Hold on. So this is the first time the Dundee Stars ever start. They start 0 and 16, and you're the player coach putting up 70 points. Yeah, well, that says a bit about my recruiting as well. I we didn't have a very uh, skilled team. I was I, my first <laughs> my first crack at recruiting. Just don't touch the coach. Let him score. Everybody yeah. else. <laughs> yeah, I mean we we had a few good players. We had a very tough group. We had uh, Steve Mackway, uh, really tough and pr pretty talented uh, player back on D, but uh, we didn't have a lot of skill. Brent Hughes was my assistant, co-player assistant, and uh, he was a good, good little player. But uh, I mean, we didn't have much scoring, so I had to. Me and Hughesy, and if, you know, <laughs> we, yeah, we didn't score. We couldn't score, and but we were super tough, and. Uh, so we, we struggled 16 in a row and then we felt, okay, we're too tough. This is, it's, we're not scoring. So we had to get rid of somebody and, and Sean was making probably at the time the most money on the team. So we had to, to fire the sheriff, which was, was my first guy I've ever, I ever had to fire. And it was really hard, like painful. Cause he's a good, good guy too. And you do anything for the teams, but that was, that introduced me to the painful side of uh, of the business and having to let go a guy. Um, but then it proceeded that we brought in a skill guy, Jay Tulip, and he 
and I had a great chemistry and brought in a couple other guys, Scottish guy. And, and we went on a pretty good run and ended up making the playoffs um, that season. So it turned out to be real fun and a great learning experience. Sorry. So that's how you got into coaching and that was yeah. as a player coach. Yeah. So were you like Andrew Lord and you were just first line center, first line power play, first line penalty kill? First, that was his first year. He got smarter about it after. But when I was playing with him, old Wally was on the third line. It didn't feel right. Really? <laughs> well, yeah, I was. I was on the first line. For uh, I and in, as the coach, God, I, that must I, piss people off. But let's carry on. You know what? I'm not even gonna let you finish that. Yeah, I'm not gonna let you I finish was, that. You're the I, coach, I, and you're on the first line center. Eh? Okay. I was also on the first PP unit and <laughs> I was not on the first PK unit because I, I don't love block You don't want to block shots. Why would no. you? No, it's kind of like when there are player coaches and when I always thought of that job, I thought that's got to be the worst job in the world because Andrew Lord actually could play the game doing everything right. Everything he preaches and everything he said, he actually did on the ice there is no way I could, I could play and coach because there's no way I could actually do what I'm telling them to all right. do. Yeah. Practice. You can't practice what you preach. If you're yelling at guys to block shots and you're not, and you're just out of the way every time. It's, it's just amazing that some players, I don't, not necessarily you, I don't remember well enough your shot blocking abilities, but a lot of some players just to magically find a way to just be just that slightly bit, slight bit out of the shot lane. I don't think it, I don't, I don't think it was me. I think I won a championship in game seven of the Danish champ of the finals. So I must've been blocking shots that night. So I don't know what you're, you were blocked. You definitely were blocking shots in the playoffs for us. No, no question about it. Yeah. You shut your filthy mouth when you're talking to me. <laughs> All right. So then I'm pretty sure you go to a different team, but then you're back to Sunderjuski <laughs> as a, uh, I guess, as a second league coach. And it's not in, at some point there, you spread your wings and get to sign big time players like me and Corey Quirk. Eh? So how does that all happen? Well, um, so I was, I ended up getting fired from Dundee the second year, halfway through the, uh, through the season. There, I, I was trying to skip that part, but no, I you no, that's that's if you coach for any length of time, you're going to get fired. There's just no question about it. So, can I say something though? Because I think yeah. it's quite hilarious, actually, because I did want to bring it up. Was that you were the player coach? You put up seventy points as the coach. And then the next year, you're only like 15, 20 games into the season. And you get gassed after a season like that the year before as the player coach. You're then getting gassed and you went to a different team. And it says that you became the captain. So how you went from the coach of one team to playing against them as the captain. That is just so old time hockey. Yeah, that was uh, that was, did feel like old time hockey. I. I, uh, I was <laughs> trying to say, think about what to, what to tell, what, what I can divulge here. Um, it was an, 
it was tough for that team at that time. Dundee, they had, there was some financial issues underneath it. And I mean, I was making the most money in a nice apartment. So, um, and we weren't, we weren't doing great. We had high hopes after that first end of the first year. So whatever, that's hockey. I mean, never, sometimes if you're, it's the right thing so you never agree with it you're doing your hand thing again you're doing your hand thing again sorry i'm yeah Um, you're not nervous talking to me are you no i mean because i used i used to be nervous talking to you so don't be nervous you don't have to play with your hands (laughs) only when you asked about the why i didn't resign you no i wasn't i was expecting (laughs) that question actually i was mentally prepared for that oh i knew you were um yeah, yeah. So I get fired from Dundee in, in a in a in a van down by the river in down by the river. But um, but it was fine. So I went to fight for you. So how do you get switch teams? So you get fired as the player coach. So that day you get fired as the player coach. You're like, well, I can't just go back to being a player and now listen to this punk. So like, how did you? You had to have gotten. They had to, somebody had to set something up to get you out of there. Well, I knew that uh, that Todd Udium, I knew him in uh, Fife, and I played with his brother. Uh, good, good guys, and uh, he said, "Why don't it's December, middle early December? So why don't you just come to Fife, play here for the rest of the season?" And uh, you know, and Danny Stewart was the uh, was the was the player assistant coach at the time he had taken over that role because another guy was uh and then uh, so danny was so you, you can be a leadership role or whatever and uh and but no pressure to to coach or anything and and it just down the road it was just 45 minutes away and we liked the area and i knew todd good guy and and uh, so we just went down there and, and uh it was a very nice experience so, yeah, no, that seems like a strange year, right? There's a lot of hockey a players. Year, yeah. A lot of hockey players that have strange years, right? And uh, yes. like for me, I don't know, you said it wasn't my physique, but for some reason I was on one-year contracts my whole career. So really? you tell, yeah, so, you know, um, I never really had any strange career or years. I never really got traded and I never – really nobody really cut me other you know other than the you know the senior a loop but uh, (laughs) (laughs) okay so where are we here so now we are at the point now where you're back in Sundayuski and uh beautiful voyance denmark and uh the three roundabouts in the beautiful mini arena and then you sign the big names. No, you started out as an assistant coach, right? Right. So, so after that season, I'm like, I want, I, I, I liked this. I liked coaching much. But I'm definitely done playing. I liked coaching. I want to keep doing it. Where can I do that? And I touched base with a bunch of people I'd met uh, at uh, coaching clinics in the previous two years, and uh, they gave me some some pointers. Well, first of all, after my gut, I forgot this quick story. After I got fired in Dundee, I reached out to a few mentor guys. Larry Hurst is, is one guy who's very helpful. 
over the years, uh, coached in Swiss A and Swedish Elite League. I know who he is, yeah. Okay, so Larry said, oh, congratulations. You you know, you've had your first firing. It's uh, now you're a real coach. And uh, so it made me feel a lot better because I, I, I was pretty devastated after the first how, time. How do you know him? Just from coaching. I met him at coaching clinics. Uh, I go to the one in Windsor is the Roger Nielsen uh, clinic every summer, legendary uh coaching clinic has been going on for 28 years or so and um larry is a regular there and i've been a regular there since 2010 so uh that's how i met larry kept oh, okay i i'm pretty sure i played uh hockey with his nephew and son at some point but okay yeah his nephew lived beside me for like six years of my life but anyways okay <laughs> that's so, just curious so so anyway, uh, my agent at the time, well now as well, is uh, Bjarne Madsen, who's from uh, from Boyens, and uh, he's the one who got me over to Denmark to begin with. And he has connections with Sonny Eske. Um He's a high-end agent, uh, everything, but uh, happens to live in Boyens. And uh, he talked to uh, Sonny Eske and they said, do they were looking for an assistant coach and Mario Simeone was, was the head coach is now uh, again, but uh, he was there and coached me. So he was my coach for four years in Boyant. And uh, so was he the same coach that didn't bring you back? Yeah. Yeah. The same, everybody, same GM, same, but I mean, now I'm as a coach, they want me to come back and, and be the f- second league team head coach and Mario's uh, assistant coach. And uh, we had a great year, won a championship. It was a, it was a load of fun. I, uh, it was kind of a um, feeling out process at first with, with Mario in the first uh, month or so. And then, then we, had a, we had a great relationship that, uh, that year. And uh, I learned a lot. And, uh, it was good, uh, and we won a championship, so it was a very successful year, and, and uh, it was, I, I really appreciate them bringing me back. And then after that, at the end of the season, Mario stepped down, um, and I, they, they asked me if I wanted to be the head coach, and of course I said yes. And that led me to looking at, for, for exceptional hockey players like Brent Walton, Corey Quirk, <laughs> guys like that. Um, no, I'm very thankful you did sign me because, uh, yeah, I, yeah, after Germany, I needed a fresh start somewhere. So thank you. Uh, but I forget where I was going now because you sidetracked me with that one, but I want to talk about our first year there though. Like, uh, Quirky and I played well together. We hit it off right from the start, you know, when he zigged, I zagged and that all was fine. But what I really wanted to talk about was winning because I hadn't won in a long time. I was a winner in junior B. Um, college, we lot, we sucked. And then in pro, I was back to being a winner for the first few years. And I was losing the finals, but I was making it to the finals. And then I lost my way again and beating Hyman. We had brutal teams and sucked. But then I get to soon New Yuski. And, um, <laughs> but like, then all of a sudden I knew I had a chance to win again. Cause you guys had won, I think the year or two prior and I knew I had a chance 
And I was willing to do whatever when it came to playoffs. But then you had guys on that team like Daryl, who's broke his shoulder riding a side-by-side. I hope you're sober, big guy. Um, way to go. Smart play. <laughs> um, and then you also had Alfie, which I had never seen a pro like him before. And yeah. I was I was like 30 years old at the time or whatever age I was. I had never seen a pro like him that would study the other team's power plays. He had pieces of paper out. He was studying where everybody liked to shoot from. He knew, and I was like, I just go out and play. Like, what are you doing? And then the other guy I wanted to talk about was Kim. But those are the three guys in that run to the finals. Yeah, great leadership from Daryl and uh, and Alfie. For sure, Alfie, one of the, the best pros I've ever been come across as well and and absolutely zero surprise that he's a successful coach now uh he was just a, a grinder like obviously skilled goalie talented person but uh just especially in those years towards the end of his career just getting the absolute most out of everything just because he was such a student of the game getting extra pro yeah oh my gosh what a what a pro just the the um the effort he took to to try to get an edge like he that that was the year we we beat uh herring in the in the finals right yeah in game seven and he he sat in his equipment for it had to have been hours after because he knew he was done he changed his style. You know that he like he changed his approach going into the or mi- middle of the like two games in to the finals because that like, year we had, he tried to stop the puck differently. A goalie's a goalie to stop the puck. <laughs> yeah, stop the puck, man. <laughs> like <laughs> stop the puck. Changes approach. What you catched it with the other hand? <laughs> yeah, he switched gloves. He switched his glove and his blocker. It was amazing. No, he, okay. Uh, he so okay. So we're getting. Do you you must remember that I think at that time after those first we were down two nothing to that team, and we had won one out of eight games because we played all them, year. Yeah, uh, or was it seven or eight? Because we played them in one game in the. Uh, I think we played them in the finals of the of the cup. That cup. Focal, we lost five nothing. Vocal game. We got smoked. So yeah. that was an extra game that we lost. We won one regular season game, and we got we're getting killed. They just had our number, their style that didn't match well with ours for us. And uh, we and Alfie decided that he was, and he he might not remember it exactly the same way the technical parts of this, but he played deeper, like he he thought that he was challenging too much. Again, he might. This might be wrong and exactly what I remember the technical details, but he played deeper in his net for the remainder of the series. And all of a sudden, and then we started scoring a little bit more. We, we came up with a few little things. We switched. We just had a little line juggle. I think we moved. We, uh, we moved Wally down. I wouldn't say down. Pretty down. We had two, we had two good scoring. No, I'm just kidding. I think I no. I think you put Aslan with Quirk instead of me. Yeah, we flipped you and Patrick just for a. Just I don't a give a deal. shit, man. <laughs> we won. You think I? I care? know. So, so and then all of a sudden we're rolling, and we win three in a row, and it's 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 uh, three games to two, 
And of all things, we took we were a little too loose for game six, which is not in in Herning. In Herning, right? Yeah. As a casual hockey observer, you'd be like, how could you possibly be taking it too light? And it's it's not like guys were taking it too light is probably not the just weren't completely as focused as the previous three games and we were clearly not as sharp and they won and then we we come home and but but it happens my point was people might say that but it happens all the time that you see in the nhl a team gets up two nothing especially three nothing they almost always lose the next one but anyway so we're we're pretty high on ourselves we lost game six game seven we were focused and sharp what was it? Four one at one point, and then I think all of a that's sudden how it ended, wasn't it? Four one. I thought they scored one more. They got a last yeah, last got a, got a breakaway to make it four two, and then all of a sudden, and we tightened up like crazy. Yeah, they got oh, another yeah. chance, and then you know we we took yeah. a breath. We I remember we, we yeah I remember when we puckered up there because yeah. like. For me, I remember it because I hadn't won in so long and I missed that feeling so bad that like I was like, I remember I got slashed in the finger, which like I couldn't take injuries and like I can play through most of anything. But like there was a time I got slashed in that series, the end of my thumb or finger or something. And the thing was just throbbing, right? I remember laying in bed one night not being able to sleep going we better win this series like I will do whatever it takes like I will do anything to win this and I think every guy on that team was like that and that game seven we were locked down and they didn't have they didn't have a chance from no no yeah we were really good that game and yeah everybody was like like, I didn't I was only talked about Daryl or sorry of Alfie this the guys you mentioned but Daryl was just a rock never showed much emotion but was so good defensively and so calm and then uh, and then Kim just gave the same effort every game high-end effort and and creative player and yeah we had good leaders Eska don't forget uh, yeah Eska with his uh burning desire to like he was he was what a competitor that guy is oh my gosh one of the most it got the next year he was so competitive that it almost got out of control at times but man was he after all the guys I think he was the guy that was the most competitive out of everybody. What a guy, what a player. You think so? I saw, yeah. Ty, I saw um, after like after practice on a three on three game, I saw Tyler Gatto throw his stick to the top of the arena. <sighs> yeah, you um, might be right. Gots was really competitive too. Just a bunch of guys who hated to lose, wanted to win so bad. Yeah, Gots, Gots was a real winner too. Yeah. yeah. No, that whole team was full of winners. Everybody yeah. knew how to win. And uh, like, and we did, we, it came to game seven and we did it right. Like we yeah. did it. That was yeah. so good. Yeah. That was one of all the championships that I might say that was my favorite, but you know, they're all, they're all amazing in their own way, but that one, cause it was my first year as, as head coach and, and a lot of pressure because Mario had won many and I was taking over for a legend and, uh, and I won that one. That was, uh, that was huge. And you get, and I, I was so, I really liked our group 
it makes it more special when you when you love the guys you know it was, uh, it was a great group um i totally agree that like the team was just full of winners like every guy on that team man like especially the imports uh but then like even thomas spelling like what a player that guy could shoot a puck um i remember he was like just drafted by the rangers and it was like when the new school a kid was coming up that knew how to use the stick to shoot it correctly and all of us old school guys were like snapping the puck and then all of a sudden there was this new breed of player that could just lean on their stick and it would just slingshot into the top corner do you remember that oh yeah yeah spelling had a bomb i've never seen that was he had one of the best shots at that point in my career that that i'd ever seen he was like 20 years old what's he shoot it like now oh yeah huge year last year i'm not i haven't really followed the danish league this year but uh... you don't have to look into that because so basically winning the championship in denmark was like it brought back so much for me because i had lost the last few years and it had been so long since I won. And man, you never get that back. Like the our team was close. I remember Anders Forster. He was a good Danish kid, man. That yep. guy, he let yep. me and Lisa and Colby come stay at his parents' house just to get a passport done or something. Like there, there's just good people on that team. And the yeah. town of Voyance is full of good people, right? Yeah, right, for sure. Okay. Now. This is, uh, this is, we're getting to the end here, but I want to talk about winning a championship. So you leave Sunduyuski after, actually, we got to talk about this first. You get cut, or sorry, fired, not cut. You get fired by Kim, who is my, one of the, one of my best buddies from that team and uh, was the captain of our team then becomes the GM and fires your ass. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Not enough ice time with Wally, probably. That's probably what it was, eh? He, might, he may have had some bitterness that he wasn't involved in the decision to, to let you go, maybe. Maybe that was a lingering resentment that he, that he had. Well, um, he wasn't the only one. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, he was the he he was the GM after he uh, retired as as a player, and that was the year before. He was the GM. We worked well together. Everything was. I mean, I was close to Kim as a player when we were both players, and then I, you know, he was our captain, and I was a coach, and we had a good, really good relationship. So it was nothing about. Uh, and then he took over as GM. We had a great relationship. And uh, so then nothing about that. But um, we just had a, we were stagnating as a team, not as an organization, but uh, as a team, we, we, we had uh, had those highs. And then uh, we had a year where I don't think, I didn't feel like we recruited that well, which is, you know, that's on me. And uh, we didn't have a great year. And then, Going into that year that I got fired, we had a bunch of injuries, 
fans were been, been bored and whatever was getting really restless and we got killed by Espia. Uh, and they made the decision right after that, maybe partly emotional, but you learn on everything. I, I feel I probably got, I did some things that as a coach that I wouldn't, wouldn't do now, uh, some decisions on, on stuff, but, uh, you know, it was a great learning experience and they did what they did. And that's hockey. I mean, I never, there's a lot of bad stories and, and they they decided that uh, they'd be better off letting me go. So that was, that, that was that. That was a, that was pretty upsetting, obviously, but um, you know that was that was that. So that was I played there. I think you guys won the next year without me, which pissed me off a lot, right? <laughs> Didn't you? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, whatever. Cool. Yeah. 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 Enjoy your gold helmet. I hope it breaks. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. I have an MBA in project management. So exactly. Yeah. So great. Living yeah. in Concord, Ontario. You know, you know what? That's a bit more useful than the gold helmet on the bicycle for the sun. So thank you. <laughs> Just saying. Think You're about welcome. it. Think about it, up and coming players. Think about it. Anyways, um, after that, you go to Slovakia. So Kim fires you. Kim. I don't have your contact info yet, but maybe the guy that you fired will have it so I can get a hold of you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, if he has your contact info, which I'm sure he does because you you canned him, which we I'd like to talk about because that'd be funny. Uh, but then um, you, got, you get a job in Slovakia, which obviously in each league in Europe, there's certain teams that have a budget, certain teams that have a chance to win. And there's certain coaching jobs that maybe aren't what you want if you want to keep progressing because I've seen the leagues over there. But you get to go to blah, 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 and uh, what's it called? And you win a championship. And what's it like playing in that league? And what's the dental benefits like in the country? The, the what? The benefits? dental sorry i played with a few in my career and their dental health wasn't great really their dental hygiene was poor the, the slovaks you it, played with really well there was a handful yeah they brought in a crew in helpron to try to scare us imports and say we're bringing out in three slovak imports and they are going to take your jobs um so um I'm just curious because they they weren't that they were good they were good players uh, didn't have great dental hygiene um, so just that just kind of came out when I was talking and I didn't mean to it's a podcast I didn't mean to it's just just raw content really <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was yeah you you teeth uh, there though <laughs> I haven't noticed it. Yeah, right. Um, okay, fair enough. I I, ha I really haven't known. They do drink Slivovica, Slivovica, which is a really strong alcohol shot. And that that could be a reason for that. Maybe those guys were into their Slivovica. We had an amazing time in Slovakia. And that's one of the little things that we loved about uh, Slovakia, not the Slivovica itself, because 
I have some friends there would be mad that I'd say that it's, I didn't really enjoy it, but that they're such family oriented people that every family has, and they're, they're a lot of country folk, like small towns and stuff. And they, every family has a long uh, history recipe, a family traditional a recipe of Slivovica that they make themselves in their back garden or, or keep it in their basement or something. And it's not good. It's not good. I mean, it's not terrible, but it's what not. Is it? It's a plum, plum uh, distillate. It's like a plum alcohol. Would you call it a brain? It's not a brandy. That's for sure. Like a liqueur kind of, but it's sixty. Per, it's between fifty and sixty-five percent alcohol. It's it's, uh, and everybody has one. If you go to, especially in a small village, we we made some friends with these this English lady and a and a Slovak, uh, awesome dude, uh, military policeman, and he would always have some in his fridge or freezer, some Slivovica homemade, and but if you went around to his neighbors, if you walk in the door. They have a sleeve of it, sleeve of it stuff for you. Like that's what you do. That's when you you have a somebody coming into your home, you will give them anything, and that's the first thing you do is a shot of sleeve of it stuff. So, um, but that's uh, they're they're really down to earth, awesome people, Slovaks, and we had a we had a blast there. And then obviously culminating that first year in in the championship was was amazing and a great organization we were with. On Scuba Street. So, so we weren't, I wasn't sure. We weren't sure. We were a little apprehensive. We're going to Slovakia, like former communist country. Obviously did my research before I went and it, it checked out like the team did. The league itself has some shady characters running some teams. On Scuba Street, so very professional organization treated, had a history of bringing in North Americans, not a coach before. Um, and we, the we first a, coach, first North American coach there. Actually, they had an assistant coach the year before who they were um, hoping was going to take over that year that I took over, but it didn't work out with him. But uh, I don't believe that a North American had coached a team in the league before then. I I I do know that uh, I, I it's cool that I was the first North American coach to win a championship in, in Slovakia. First coach, non-Czech or Slovak coach to win a championship there. So it was pretty cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's been a few Finns, I guess, around in Slovakia, mostly Czechs and Slovaks. Um, okay. I actually thought of this question. I got two serious ones left. <laughs> Okay. But, oh uh, yeah. So I think I'm going to get into this one now is um, your daughter is how old now? Six next month. And six next month. So she's Zoe's age. And <clears throat> what schools has she gone to? What languages is she speaking? And what's that been like for her? Really interesting, um, and I think, um, I mean, she, certainly some hardship, some difficult moments with families in the hockey world, and especially coaching as you get older, moving around a bit. But uh, 
she um she was starting to well she pretty much knew well she knew more danish than i did when she, we moved from from Boyens. she was three and uh was going to a, a kindergarten a danish speaking kindergarten so she was speaking danish or she was able to uh and then uh so we moved to slovakia and there was a private kindergarten daycare whatever you want to call it uh and this daycare they taught i mean teaching they yeah they i mean they taught it for basic teaching but for four-year-olds yeah uh spanish slovak and english so and i don't i never did find out why they what the connection to spain was why they had a there wasn't like a spanish uh uh group of people like a community i wasn't a spanish community in sponsor the but they taught spanish so uh she learned some spanish actually she speaks still speaks some spanish better than slovak slovak's a difficult language but she could say some basic things in slovak she could speak some more basic things in spanish uh and so danish. that was, in danish she can still count to one and one to ten in all in all these languages and german now so pr <laughs> pr pretty neat she but that that first summer after slova uh, first year in bosco streets we'd go home and she'd be kind of playing around with spanish and people would be looking at us like people that we knew would be like i thought you guys were in slovakia why like why isn't she speaking slovak so that would throw people for a loop but uh yeah so and then moving to uh to vlog this year was uh so she was there for two years and she liked it and, and, and english and you was, throw into german now we throw in german and um we were told we could get into an international kindergarten there for her for year for fifth year age five year and uh it didn't work out the team couldn't get us in there uh so that she went into a German, just a German kindergarten, German language kindergarten. Luckily, there were two players, uh, kids there. Uh, so that helped. She had somebody to talk to, but she didn't. I could I can say she didn't enjoy it that much, which was difficult to watch. And then so kind of so our move here to Linz has been a blessing in disguise because it's it's been a great experience for me. And um, she's in, an, in a really cool international school now. And booked in for next year for for grade one and uh it's all in english they have spanish and german classes so she's and she's loving it so really uh lucky that we got here to linz well i tell you that girl's gonna have a hell of a story to tell when she's a grown-up yeah um, she will yeah she's gonna have a heck of a story and hopefully she can stick with those languages because i always remember those people in europe that like could speak like seven languages and you're like how the hell can you do that? But that's how it starts. Yeah, that's right. So this is it, though. This is the end of it. Um, the kids are home. Everybody's ready for dad to come inside. And you're probably ready for bed over there. So all I wanted to say, though, is uh, thank you for signing me in Denmark. Um, it was awesome winning with you. I think you're a great coach. I think Thank you're you. going to continue to have a great career. 
Um, I really enjoyed playing for you. I think every guy in the team did. Um, and that's why I wanted to have you on because when I was playing for you, I didn't talk to you like this. We didn't talk like this. No. And it's different now. For sure. Yeah. yeah. I don't give you're a all grow, shit you're all, grow, you're, all, you're all grown up now. Yeah, I guess so, <laughs> eh? Yeah. <laughs> I love that hockey players are it's even as a coach like i'm not in the real world real world it's a it's not an easy job coaching but it's not still not the real world i get to sit around and you know still talk shit with my assistant coaches and a little bit with the veterans and stuff like i still get to go to a hockey rink every day to work it's pretty it's pretty cool we never totally grow up and uh and hockey play guys should really appreciate it. you would i'm sure tell anybody listening that uh a hockey player should just enjoy every moment of it because it's the coolest job. You get to go play hockey for a living. And I, like, why would you stress out about anything when you're playing hockey for a job? It's, it's unbelievable. You, you basically get to stay as a kid. Obviously, you maybe have a wife or kids and that, but you're still just, you're, it's a childlike dream to play hockey for a living. Well, it is, but the problem is, is when everybody's worried about the next year and the next contract and the, yeah, I know. how many goals you score. And that's what puts everybody on edge. It takes people to make it fun. <laughs> but yeah. like, I'm having fun again with the game and it's great to be back. And I'm so thankful you came on, man. Like how many people get to come on and interview their old coach about why they weren't signed. That's, I think this may be a first in the hockey world. Yeah, and uh, and I'm and I'm very happy that I don't have a a negative reason why I that would be a, a bit of a downer in the beginning of your podcast that I said because because you were because nobody liked you or something that'd be really bad. But <laughs> no, it was it was nothing. You're the you're you're one of the best uh, teammates that I've that I've coached, and uh, it was a pleasure coaching you. Uh, thank you for inviting me on the podcast. It was great fun. Great to catch up with you. Hey, great, great to catch up with you too as a non-coach and just normal dude in the hockey world. Yes. So I, I'm going to hit stop recording now. And uh, right. thank you for coming on, man. No problem. My pleasure. Anytime. Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm. And that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott and I'm a I'm